Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. You know, radical hospitality, what is radical to you? And, I, you know, to me, it's getting outside your comfort zone to show some love and care to somebody that you don't. And that's hard for him. It's super hard for me. <laughs> Very easy for her. Just going up and speaking to somebody on a personal level is not something that's super comfortable for me. Um, Lisa is one of these people that can make it look very easy. So she's encouraged me in that, and I can kind of play off her. She kind of can get someone to open up, and then that that leads us down to where we can have a little bit more intimate conversation with them and, uh, you know, talk about where they are in life and, you know, do they know Jesus? You know, are they open to getting to know Jesus? So we're empty nesters now. Uh, Kids are grown and doing well and uh, all still here at the church, which is good. So we've developed a little ministry of our own, and we call it the Dining Out Ministry because Lisa, she doesn't love to cook. Um, but it's given us an ability to connect with, uh, or we're trying to connect with some servers and managers at local restaurants. And it kind of opened my eyes to uh, how much some people don't know about our Savior Jesus because uh, they've just honestly never been around it, been in church, don't know that stuff. So we just connect with them by asking them questions about their daily lives, what's going on with them. And, um, and they're, they're surprisingly open to this uh, because they're all looking for something, and I think we know what that is. Every week we ask, and then we remember, and the next week we go back, and then we're just building on that every week. And so just loving on them as we go. We are very excited about the new campus that Silverdale's bringing to the Apson area. Uh, we are part of that 33,000 people that can be reached. Uh, we know these people, we live with these people, these are our neighbors, and uh, we're just so excited to reach them for Jesus. We, we love Michael and Lisa Minch, and they truly are that genuinely missional-minded in what they do. Uh, good morning. My name, is, my name is Ben Schoening. I, uh, it is a privilege and a joy to be in here with you all this morning. I serve on staff here, and very soon my family and I are going to be packing up and setting camp up out at Appison, Tennessee, and we are thrilled. We are excited. We've been, we've been, in the last several weeks, we've been sharing about how we reach or why we reach the way that we do within our church, why we reach our community and the world around us for Christ. And in the last couple of weeks, we've talked to, in, with a couple of the hows, how we do this, how we reach people for Christ. Uh, we, we discussed the essential of laying that foundation of fervent prayer, that we reach through first fervent prayer. Last week, we talked about another how, how we reach the world around us and in the community around us, and that's through dedicated service. This morning, we're going to look at another how. So here's what I want you to do. You can grab your Bibles and, and get ready for like some sword drills. Because we're going to be in several different passages this morning. You can also follow along um, in your worship guide this morning. We want to we look at another how. How we reach the community and the world around us is through hospitality, but not just any kind of hospitality, but radical hospitality. So how, a way that we reach the world around us for Christ is through radical hospitality. So what do we even mean by radical hospitality? hospitality. And I don't really want to spend any time trying to come up with a definition or making sure we can memorize a definition of what radical hospitality is. I do want us to be mindful of of one thing that hospitality is not, 
right? Hospitality is not something that can be mandated or required, right? If you're required to give or do something for someone, that's not hospitality, that's taxation, right? We're not talking about that this morning. We're talking about hospitality. So not really interested in, in us coming up with necessarily suggestions or, or building this comprehensive list of hospitable acts, right? It's, it's more about as the church, how do we cultivate the heart of hospitality, which is really what we want to focus on this morning. So while we might not necessarily be familiar with like a Webster's dictionary definition of hospitality, we're familiar with, with a functioning definition of hospitality. I like how one author puts it, you know, in his attempt to define hospitality, he says it like this, hospitality is making your guests feel at home, even if you wish they were, <laughs> right? You know, kind of this forced sense of like, I know I'm supposed to be good and kind and nice, so come on in, but please leave soon, right? Another, another example of this, another example of this, let me, let me ask a question. When, when, I, when I say the words, my pleasure, what comes to mind? Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. When we hear the, my, the words, my pleasure, we think of Chick-fil-A. It's, it's the standard, it's expected, it was established by Truett Cathy himself, right? And, and most of us, when we go to Chick-fil-A, we're going not because we think we're getting this incredible value on a chicken sandwich, right? It's not because any of us in here or most of us in here are not professional food critics with a fine enough palate to really determine just how good a chicken sandwich is or not. Right? We, we frequent Chick-fil-A as often as we do because we know exactly what we're going to get. We know the kind of, of hospitable service that we're going to get, at least when we compare it to that of, of other fast food restaurants. Now, I don't know if it's, if it's comical, if it's irony, uh, if it's just pathetic that a fast food chicken sandwich joint is the standard for, the hosp- for hospitality and not the church. In fact, what's, what's maybe even more challenging for us to consider is, is when we think about what many servers in the restaurant industry will say about their least favorite shift to work. Do you know what, you know what shift that is? Sunday afternoon, specifically Sunday after church when all of the Christians come in. Church, this can't be, right? As, as followers of Christ, as name bearers of Jesus, we should be setting the gold standard on what hospitality is. Author Kerry Newhoff, he points to a study which which looked at individuals that they've determined that individuals coming and visiting a church will will determine in the first 10 minutes whether or not they're going to come back and revisit a church. The first 10 minutes. Think about that. Before a word of a sermon is ever spoke, maybe before a note of an instrument is ever played, they're determining on whether or not they're going to come back to that church or not. And so how are they, how are they determining this? And so what, what, the, what the research to, shows is that some of them might be, might be interested in, in, in the, the facilities, you know, how, how tired or dirty or cleanly, uh, clean was the facilities. Some of them uh, responded with the parking, you know, how easy was it to get in and out. Some determined it by, by the, the children's ministry check-in process, right? How difficult or convoluted or safe did they feel when they did that? But the majority of people that responded to this said that the reason that they will make a decision to, to return or not has to do with simple, genuine hospitality. How, how genuinely welcomed someone feels when they come into church can very easily determine whether or not they're going to hear the truth about Jesus or not. 
Now, we might say that seems kind of shallow. I mean, it seems like, man, surely there should be some more substance in what people would determine whether or not they're going to be visited church. It seems a little bit shallow. I would make this argument another way, church. What a simple way to demonstrate the love of Jesus to someone. That, that in God's sovereign goodness, in his sovereign grace, he's given us all the ability to both positively respond and act in ways that would demonstrate who he is. So let's, let's go back to the, the Chick-fil-A model, if you will, right? That when they respond with my pleasure, which is, which is all but required, that the Chick-fil-A employee has to respond to thank you with my pleasure, we consider this to be more than satisfactory, right? I mean, we, we would say this is extravagant. So how much more, again, as Christ-like followers, as bearers of the names of Christ, should we be in, in the way that we demonstrate hospitality? We should be radical. We should be that extravagant in how we demonstrate our hospitality. The author of Hebrews says this, in Hebrews 13, says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I mean, I love that last part. Right? That oftentimes our acts of hospitality, it isn't even for the other person. We're entertaining angels without even knowing it. Now, one of the things I love about God is that he wired us. He designed us. He created us in, in this way. We actually do receive when we give. Right? All of us, I, I think most of us have had that sensation of feeling good when we give or we do something for someone. But, but man, if we would think about the fact that if we're, if we're demonstrating genuine hospitality, which is what we're discussing this morning, then even if the other person isn't receiving with the right heart, we're entertaining angels. That's radical hospitality. <clears throat> so what we want to do th- this morning um, is, is, like I said, not necessarily come up with a list of, of things that we can do. Right? It's, it's pretty easy to, to create that list. It's pretty easy, I guess, we could, we could talk about something or some things that we could do to demonstrate hospitality, but that's not what, what we should be focusing on. Rather, hospitality is part of, of who we are. Right? God, God is, is always more concerned with how we do what we do than he is in simply what we do. Let me repeat that. God is always more concerned with how we do what we do than he is in just simply what we do. Here's, here's what I mean by this. Let, let's say I go downtown and I feed all of the homeless people down there. It's a good thing, right? But if I do that good thing so that all of you says, man, look what a great guy Ben is. I've done, I've done the right thing for the wrong reason and Christ is not glorified. I, I've done it with the wrong heart. I've done it with the wrong intentions. We want hospitality to be the open arms of, of Jesus we want it to be a conduit to, to bring people to the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we consider what it looks like to demonstrate or really have a heart of hospitality, it's all so that, that Jesus, so that he and he alone is glorified and magnified and lifted up. That's what we're talking about this morning. So what I want us to do in, in our time is to examine ways that we see Jesus demonstrating hospitality out of the abundance of his heart. And then we as a church are going to mimic that. We want to mirror that. So first off, hospitality always includes an invitation. Here's what we notice about Jesus' invitation. Jesus invita- invites without discrimination. 
Jesus invites without discrimination. Right? Think of, think of a standard invitation, right? Maybe it's a wedding, maybe it's a birthday invitation. One of the first things that we do when, when we're gathering invitations, we, we, we create a guest list, right? Who's coming to the party? Maybe in some cases, more importantly, who's not coming to the party, right? If you've ever planned a wedding before and you start looking at the cost per head, I mean, you start cutting people real quick, right? You're, nope, they're not, they're not worth that. Um, they won't bring a good enough gift. Whatever reason, we're cutting that list, right? So our guest list becomes pretty exclusive. It becomes pretty limiting in, in who we're going to invite and who we're not going to invite. In some cases, we might even say, hey, you're invited, but we're letting the invited guests know not to, not to tell other people. We're trying to, to avoid or mitigate some hurt feelings and so, you know, keep it on the down low a little bit. Now, we might have valid and legitimate reasons as to why our guest list is limiting, but, but the fact is limitations remain. Jesus' invitation, however, does not have any limitations. He invites truly without discrimination. Think, think of the most familiar scripture reference in the country, John 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. That, sh- that sure doesn't seem very limiting. Sure doesn't seem like he has very many discriminatory, discriminatory factors or criteria here. Right? He's, he's saying whoever, whoever is willing. Whoever is willing. Look at again what he says in Matthew eleven eight. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. All. Again, it seems, seems like a pretty open invitation. Jesus really does want all people to be with him. Another verse in John chapter 7. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I mean, Jesus' invitation is truly without discrimination. And he makes this really clear in his instructions to his disciples in Luke. Listen to what he says here. He says, when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is saying, don't just fill your guest list with people that look like you, that talk like you, that are in the same tax bracket as you, that has something for you to gain from or to extort from. Rather, invite everyone. Let me, let me, let me kind of give you an example of, of, of this. Um, some of you know my, my sister-in-law, Lenise Schoening. Lenise's maiden name is Castillon, Right? And, and the Castillons do parties much different than the Shonings do parties, right? When, when, when I was growing up and we had birthday parties, or even when, even when we had birthday parties for our own kids, you know, we, we send out, we send an invitation. Um, one of the things you'll notice with, with a Shoning invitation is there's a start time and there's an end time, right? You, you can come at two, but at four, you get out the door, right? We got, we got stuff to clean. We got games to watch. We got naps to take. Right? Now, furthermore, a Shoning birthday party is in the backyard. It's very exclusive. It's very special. You come through the house, you're in the backyard, you don't go out the front, you don't let anyone see you. Right? That's how a Shoning party was. Now, a Castillon party, 
right? Castillon Fiesta is not like that. First of all, they don't really send out invitations. It's just word of mouth. Somebody gets invited, they come. Second of all, they'll, they'll have a start time, but it's kind of more of a suggestion, right? They definitely don't have an end time. But here's what's even more distinctive about a Castillon party. It's in the front yard. It's a very open invitation. Anybody driving down the street, walking through the neighborhood, and they see that there's a party, they see that there's something to be celebrated, they could join in if they wanted to. There's no bouncer out there checking a guest list or RSVP cards or anything like that. It's a very open invitation. They have a front yard party. Church, this is a front yard party. This is a front yard party. Our invitations should be without discrimination. We should want everybody to come and join the festivities, join the celebration. Come and hear, come and see what Jesus has done and what he's doing. Another way that we experience hospitality is through sharing. We, we say that when somebody opens up their home, they invite us in, that that's hospitable. But all of us are, are going to be somewhat hesitant on all that we're going to share. Right? Maybe, maybe you've had that experience where you've invited someone to your house and it's getting a little bit too intrusive. Right? They're like putting their shoes up on the coffee table. They're, they're rummaging through your pantry or your fridge. They're about to go into a room that you don't want them to go into. They're like opening up your mail or something. Right? We, we have limitations on what we're going to share. We're going to become somewhat hesitant. And yet here's what we see about Jesus. Jesus shares without hesitation. Jesus shares without hesitation. Now, maybe, maybe this, this is so radical this is such a radical attribute of Jesus that, that we don't really take time to be overwhelmed by the radicalness of it. But Jesus shares without hesitation. And by the way, church, Jesus only shares his best. He, he only shares his best. All he shares is his best. Look at what Jesus prays for in John 17 as he's praying for us, his church. Jesus says this, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Do you notice here what Jesus is willing to share? It's himself. It's all of himself. We don't do that. In fact, in fact, what we do is, is we, are, we practice healthy boundaries. We're told not to share all of ourselves with others. Right? We're, we're told not to let people burn us out and wear us out. We're, we're told to, to be somewhat hesitant in what we share, and we call that, again, good boundaries. Jesus doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. Another, another passage that we see this being true of, of of our father is, think of the story of the prodigal son, right? So, so in this parable, you have the older brother who remains at home, you have the younger brother who wandered off, and then you have the father who is God in this parable. And as the father is dealing with the, the resentment of the older son, who's, who's bitter and resentful that they're having this big party and celebration for the younger brother who, who messed up and squandered everything, but now he's back. And so in the father dealing with that resentment, here's what the father says to the older son. Here's what God says to us. Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. All that is mine is yours. All. Christ shares it all. There's a word that kids learn early on in their development. 
One of those words is mine, mine, right? They start grabbing stuff, mine. They're very, very selfishly proprietary from an early age. And my hope is we as parents aren't walking around like grabbing stuff, saying mine, mine. Right? They just learn it. I mean, they just, they, it's just in, ingrained in them. And when we hear our kids doing that, we have to remind them, no, you need to share, you need to share. Here's the deal. Jesus is mine, but I need to share. Jesus is mine, but I need to share. And so when, when I display these acts of, of hospitality, when I share Jesus, I'm demonstrating radical hospitality so that people will come to know Jesus. Here, here's, here's another radical example of what this hospitality looks like. Look what it says about the early church in Acts chapter 4. It says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Everything, I mean, what? Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, when I read that for the first time, everything they had, I mean, it, Surely it can't be everything. And so, you know, don't mistake me for a Greek scholar, but when I looked it up in the Greek, and, and you know what the word everything is translated? E- everything. They shared everything. I, again, how do we even comprehend that? We, we are so proprietary about ourselves. It, and it might look like, it might be as simple as this. But, but remember, it's, it's what's the condition of my heart? But it might be as simple as when somebody's walking down the aisle and you haven't seen them before and they're maybe looking for a chair. It might be that you share your row with them. It might be that you actually have to move to the middle, but you share your row with them. It might be that you, you share information about your small group with them. You abandon this us for and no more mantra. It might be that you share a family mealtime with them after church. Invite them to be part of your family. Maybe you share a ride with them. I know a family that lives in the East Brainerd area. They regularly drive to Hickson to pick up somebody. But again, if these, if these acts of hospitality reveal the heart of Jesus and he's glorified and he's magnified, then church, we're going to reach people for Christ. Here, here's a third way that we can experience radical hospitality or demonstrate radical hospitality and, and looking at what Jesus did, that Jesus welcomes without reservation. Jesus invites without discrimination he shares without hesitation, and he welcomes without reservation. Some of you might be familiar with the, the, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So prior to that, here's what's happened. Jesus has sent his disciples out to, to, to teach, to evangelize. They've come back. They reported in what's going on. And now Jesus is going to take them to another area. He's going to take them into this city called Bethsaida. And the crowds, they learn about this. They hear about this. Right, these crowd, this crowd of 5,000 men, excluding women and children, they, they hear about this. And so picture a mob of paparazzi, right? Celebrity has just walked out and you have this mob of paparazzi that flock to that celebrity. We've seen this on, on different news stories and things like that. Now think of, of the reaction that that celebrity has to that flock of paparazzi, that mob of paparazzi. But let's look at Jesus' response when, when the, this mob flocks to him. It says this in Luke, when the crowds learned that he, Jesus, was in Bethsaida, they followed him and he welcomed them and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who, need, who had need of healing. He welcomed them. He truly 
welcome them. It wasn't a, you know, turn and greet someone kind of welcome. It was a let me get to know you kind of a welcoming. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like the celebrity that just says, hey, let me sign a few autographs and then rush off. It was, it was, let me speak to you of the most important thing in all of the world. Let me pray for you as individuals and then I'm going to feed you a meal. It was that kind of hospi- it was that kind of welcoming. It was that kind of radical hospitality. But, but Jesus' welcoming gets even more extravagant than this. It gets even more extravagant than this. It gets even more radical than this. Look at what Jesus tells his disciples in John 14. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I mean, just consider how radical this kind of hospitality is. So if we can imagine for a moment, if we can just imagine for a moment, picture yourself, you have found the most, the most prime, pristine, most beautiful piece of land that had never been discovered, just sitting there. I mean, this, the, the views of this piece of land are incredible. I mean, you, you have ocean views on one side, and you have like mountain views on one side, and you have lake views on another side. I mean, it just, it doesn't exist, but it's yours. And, and now that it's yours, you're going to build the dream house. I mean, it's going to be incredible. This house is going to rival any other structure that's ever been built ever. I mean, it's going to be filled with every dream you could imagine and then things that you could have never imagined. And you're going to build it, and it's going to be amazing. And when it's all done, you're going to give it away. You're going to give it to someone, not just anyone, you're going to give it to someone who's lied to you, who's ignored you, who's neglected you, who's defied you, who's maybe even cursed you. You're going to give it to them. And, 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 just, and just to really up the, the heart of hospitality, you're not going to send like an Uber or a Lyft to pick them up. You're going to go get them. Right? You're going to get something fancy like one of my dream cars, like a 1932 Duesenberg. You're going to go and you're going to pick them up and you're going to drive them to that spot and you're going to drop them off at their home. I mean, just consider how absurd this is. It, that, doesn't, it, it doesn't exist. That kind of hospitality doesn't exist. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus does for us. Jesus welcomes us into his very best. He's prepared a place for us, despite the fact that we lie to him, that we ignore him, that we neglect him, that we disobey him, that we defy him, that maybe we've even cursed him. He still welcomes us into his best and with his best. Listen, Jesus redeems our worst by welcoming us with his best. He redeems our worst by welcoming us to him with his very best. So when we have this heart of hospitality, it's so that people will see just a little bit of who Jesus is. When we have an opportunity to demonstrate hospitality to someone, we need to jump all over. We need to act on that so that people will see, they, they, not even Silverdale Baptist Church, they'll see Jesus first. They'll be drawn to the person of Jesus because of a radical hospitality. Let me close by 
giving you an example of, of just how radical hospitality demonstrated to my family changed, radically changed our lives. When, when Jen and I made the decision to leave California in 2013 and move to this obscure, unknown place of Chattanooga, we both knew how, how important and how critical it was going to be for us to find our home church. And in one conversation that Jen was having with an old college roommate of hers who lives in Indiana, she had told her, we're moving to, to Chattanooga, and her roommate who lives in Indiana, says, oh, I think my sister's friend's friend knows someone who lives in Chattanooga. Now listen, how in the world you ladies have conversations about your sister's friend's friends? Us guys will never know, right? But a short time later, Jen was contacted. Some of you might know the Beaver family. Ron and Sharon Beaver and their four daughters and son-in-laws and grandkids. And Erica, one of, one of their daughters was that sister's friend's friend. And so short time later, Erica was, was in contact with Jen, reached out to Jen and, and Jen's college roommate, sister's friend's friend, invited us to Silverdale Baptist Church. Now here's what you need to know about Erica's invitation. Erica didn't know I was on staff at the church. She, she didn't know how important it was going to be for our family to find a home church. Erica didn't even know if we were believers or not. Erica's invitation was without discrimination. She invited us. So when we showed up to church that Saturday night, Erica gave us, gave us a hug and then invited us to sit with her family. And then her family, her parents and her sisters, they shared their family dinner time with us. They invited us to dinner with them. They didn't know us. We're some random crazy people from Southern California. And they in, invited us and they shared with us their dinner time. And then, and then, what's more, they welcomed us into their home over and over and over again. Over the coming days, weeks, and months, they would, they would welcome us in to their home. They would let us, go in their, uh, they'd let us go in their swimming pool without them even being home, right? I think that was okay, right? Checking on it now. They welcomed us into their home. They didn't require anything from us. There was no pool association fee. There, there, there certainly wasn't a quid pro quo relationship. We didn't have anything to offer them. You know, we just had kids that were going to leave the place a mess. Now, now, it could be, it could very well be that the reason they did that was because they knew we were from California, so we were probably used to free handouts. But I don't, I don't think that's the case, Right? I think they really were acting out of a heart of radical hospitality. And unbeknownst to them, those acts of radical hospitality, it drastically changed, it radically changed the trajectory of our family's lives. See, Silverdale Baptist Church was not going to be the church we were going to go to. When Erica invited Jen, I, I went online, I looked at, at, at the church, and, and when I saw the campus map, it indicated to me this is a big church, we're not going to be in a big church. Because at a big church, you can't get involved. I know. I, we got involved. <laughs> right? But the misconception was, we can't get involved. So we went just simply to be nice to this person who had welcomed us. But, but their, their, their persistent and consistent demonstrations of radical hospitality that only pointed to the person of Jesus 
drew us to this place. Listen, I, I don't know where any of you are at this morning. But if you don't know the radical hospitality of who Jesus is, then please know he's inviting you. He's inviting you to, to, to get a taste of it. And he wants to share his best with you. And, and, and listen to me, his best for you is infinitely better than anything good you could ever conjure up for yourself. And then he's going to welcome you into his eternal peace and into his eternal presence. Church, if we want to reach the world and the community around us, then let's be like Jesus. Let's invite without discrimination. Let's share without hesitation. Let's welcome without reservation so that people will come to know the person of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we want to be more like you. We need to be more like you. I often think about the words of of your cousin, John the Baptist, who said, he must increase, I must decrease. More of you, less of me. Jesus, I know who I am. But, But what's far better is knowing who you are. Jesus, thank you that you have invited us, that you called us to you, and then that you share your life with us. You share everything with us. Out of your your eternal love and your sovereign grace, and then your kindness that welcomes us. God, we want to be a people that it does the same thing so that, so that people will know who you are, Jesus. Make us more and more like you as we reach those in our world and our community around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.